This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This fascist infestation in this country is disgusting and it needs to stop. Another round of so-called freedom convoys in the Lower Mainland and Vancouver Island take aim at mandates and the media. Plus... Party members want to see uh, renewal and they also want to see uh, a new perspective. The latest on the B.C. Liberal vote as a new leader is elected and what it means for the party's future and... It's because of all the stranger attacks and all the violence. Amid a spike in stranger attacks, how Vancouver police are taking their public safety message to the streets. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. There were more mass anti-mandate protests across the country again today, including one of the largest yet here in B.C. Streets in Metro Vancouver were clogged by a truckers rally. And as Paul Johnson reports, for the first time, there were also large counter protests. What better way to spend a Saturday than an on-the-job performance review? Some of the reporting from multiple news sources is somewhat biased or under-reporting things that could be reported. This demonstration was intended to show how unfair the mainstream media has been to the trucker protest movement. Some told us we could do a better job of challenging the government about the necessity and effectiveness of the public health orders. Fair enough, but it's still a struggle to sort out the reasonable from the overwrought. It all began with another convoy that started in Langley, but as they approached downtown, they encountered the latest twist in this story a counter protest. Dozens turned up to try and block the convoy saying they wanted to protect hospitals and healthcare workers and are appalled by what they see in the trucker-led movement. This fascist infestation in this country is disgusting and it needs to stop. Fascists, communists, Nazis. The shouting from both sides sounded more like a college debating society from the Cold War. What was clear is how little each side understands the other. Here's what this trucker supporter had to say. Has anybody asked Justin Trudeau and um, Jasmine Singh the proof outside of a couple of photos that it's a white supremacist movement? You are not global news. Like their counterparts across the street, some of the anti-truckers also appeared to struggle with sense-making. So just to get this straight, you think that I'm an imposter? I know that you're an imposter. Fear and loathing at Robson and Barrard where you can find pretty much everything except the middle ground. In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. And Vancouver police say aside from major traffic delays in the downtown core, there were no major incidents, but officers were busy keeping the convoy and counter-protesters apart. 
Uh, we've seen uh, a few skir skirmishes between people. We've had uh, some reports of uh, things like eggs being thrown, uh, rocks being thrown, nails being thrown uh, on the pavement. We've worked hard to not only mitigate um, traffic disruptions and try to keep traffic moving, but also to resolve any conflicts that were arising between uh, protest groups. There was also a trucker rally on Vancouver Island that started in Campbell River and ended at the B.C. legislature. As in Vancouver and elsewhere, there were also no counter-protests. Kylie Stanton has more on what happened and plans by some of the truckers to stay where they are until COVID mandates are lifted. Making some noise, wanting to send a message loud and clear. Now is the time to start letting people have their freedom back. The B.C. legislature, the final destination for a second round of protests, calling on the government to drop the vaccine mandate and end all restrictions. I want to get back our freedoms so that we can choose what we put into our bodies. I can't go swimming. I can't go to my favorite restaurants. End the vaccine passports and that's all I want. The convoy began in the early morning, starting in Campbell River, weaving its way down Vancouver Island. Hundreds of vehicles joining in along the way, but not quite the turnout, and not quite as loud as expected. A relief for downtown businesses. I actually applaud them so far for, uh, for just be, being a way better uh, showing today, except for that guy. Not everyone here is rallying for the same cause. The mandates have really, really caused great division. Counter-protesters showing up as well, pushing back against the vocal minority. They're anarchists. They're trying to collapse our health care system. They've taken over uh, hospital admissions and the ICU. People with transplants, organ transplants, are having their surgeries cancelled. People are dying. Part of being free is protecting people from preventable communicable diseases. The tensions reaching a boiling point for some who believe the media is the real virus. You're disgusting. You're disgusting. Disgusting lies for two years. The heavy police presence diffusing any major incidents, but this protest is far from over. We're all making a sacrifice to stand up, to encourage one another to move forward, right? The plan is for many to stay put, blocking the roadways around the legislative precinct until their message is heard. I want to end these mandates in Canada. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. And this was downtown Kelowna this afternoon. A steady stream of honking horns as vehicles, many adorned with Canadian flags, circled their way down Bernard Avenue and Water Street. Protesters lined the street, waving signs with slogans including, rights and freedoms cannot be mandated away. A convoy was also planned from the North Okanagan to the Canada-U.S. border near Asuyas. Well, a new leader of the B.C. Liberal Party is set to be announced. Our Richard Zussman is following the race and he's at the B.C. legislature this evening. So, Richard, there was some doubt going into this evening whether the vote would even be held today or not. There was, Neithu, there was a conversation at B.C. Supreme Court today. A hearing was brought forward out of concerns from a B.C. Liberal member that there was some inappropriate behavior when it came to memberships, but ultimately that was dismissed, so the party for the party is on. Typically in a situation like this, Neithu, I would be in Vancouver for the announcement, but due to Omicron, I am here in Victoria, but the convention is happening right now, and we are anticipating within a minute 
minute or so, we will hear the results of the first ballot. There are seven candidates in this race. Uh, Kevin Fulkin has been the front runner through the entirety, but Michael Lee and Ellis Ross and the others are looking to pull off the upset. So liberal members in that ballroom in Vancouver will very soon find out the results of that first ballot as they read them out. And just to let people know how this could go tonight, there is a possibility one of the candidates could get enough votes, 50% plus one of their point structure on that first ballot, they would become the winner. But the more likely scenario is this could be drawn out over the next hour. This was a preferential ballot. So members slotted who they like from one to seven, and as candidates fall out, those votes move around and ultimately they will be shuffled into the category for the party to choose a leader. Obviously, we're in this situation because of what happened in the 2020 election. The B.C. Liberals struggled with Andrew Wilkinson as the leader, leading to Premier John Horgan winning that majority government he's so coveted in this situation. And so the hope for this new Liberal leader is they will take their seat in the front row here. Uh, we're still waiting for someone to show up at the podium in Vancouver to give out those results. We were expecting it to happen at some point in the next few minutes. And so uh, the hope is that we will have those results very, very soon to find out who is going to be the next leader or at least set the path for what we're going to see over the next hour, Nithu, as this party determines what Participation is almost palpable in the room there in Vancouver. We'll check in with you again throughout the show. Thanks very much for that, Richard. Yeah, thanks, Ethan. A rescue operation today for five people caught in an avalanche north of Whistler. Pemberton Search and Rescue called out to Cassiope Peak, a remote area north of Joffrey Lake, around 1 this afternoon. Five people were caught up in a pair of slides. BC Emergency Health Services confirms two people have been airlifted to VGH in critical condition. Two have been taken to the Whistler Medical Clinic in serious condition. One other person was taken to Whistler in unknown condition. Two helicopters and four ambulances were dispatched. There has been another shooting in Surrey. A home at 164th Street and 86B Avenue in the Fleetwood area was shot up late Friday or early Saturday. It was hit by at least three bullets, but there are no reports of any injuries. A bullet hole can be seen in a window and a wall, and there are police markers along the street and on the property. The area was taped off while police investigated. RCMP have yet to release any information on what may have happened or if there are any suspects in the case. And I'm hearing we may have some news from our Richard Zussman, who is at the BC Legislature. Long time no talk. Richard, what do you have for us? Yeah, Neithu, the joys of live television. <laughs> so the BC Liberals are now announcing the results of that first ballot. So let's listen in live from the Wall Centre in Vancouver Four to get a sense of the results. So let's listen to Shirley Bond here. Percent. Michael Lee, 899 points, 10.3 percent. Ellis Ross, 2,325 points. 26.7% and Kevin Falcon, 4,121 points or 47%. As no contestant 
has a, as no contestant has achieved a majority of the province-wide points, a second count will be conducted and Stan Sipos will be excluded from the next count. And we want to extend our thanks to Stan Sipos for his participation in the uh, campaign. Uh, those are the first round results and I will return very shortly with the results of the second round of ballots. You can hear there, you can hear there, Nithu, Kevin Falcon on the verge of becoming the next BC Liberal leader, just short of the 50% needed there. So just short there, Nithu, as you could see for Kevin Falcon becoming the next leader of the BC Liberal Party. It's inevitable at this point that Falcon is going to win so close to the 50%, but we're going to have to wait a little bit longer. So Nithu, I'll throw it back to you. We will talk later, but it looks like Kevin Falcon is going to be the next leader of the BC Liberal Party and take a seat eventually he doesn't have one yet it will take some time but we will get the official result at some point in the next little bit here all right we'll wait for that recount it is certainly a nail biter thanks for that richard well after seeing an uptick in unprovoked stranger attacks over the last year the vancouver police department took their public safety message to the streets today setting up tents in four neighborhoods and offering the public an opportunity to drop by and share their concerns Kristen robinson reports Hello, we're just handing out personal safety alarms. Are you interested in one? This tent in Chinatown, one of four set up by Vancouver police across the city Saturday. Just pull on it and it'll go off. Officers engaging with communities and handing out free personal safety alarms. If you're in trouble, you need help, you feel threatened, all you do is you pull on this. 21-year VPD veteran Byron Yee says the message from the public is clear. The fact that they don't feel safe on the streets, the fact that sometimes they, they need help, and people aren't really seeing or hearing them. So if you want to engage it, just pull on that. Just one part of the effort to empower people to be heard. It's because of all the stranger attacks and all the violence that, that's been going on. Police say Vancouver is averaging an alarming four random assaults per day. On New Year's Eve, a 22-year-old Asian woman grabbed and thrown to the ground in what may have been a hate crime. Last month, a 25-year-old Mexican tourist stabbed by a stranger inside of Tim Hortons. There's a lot of people who are hurting. There are a lot of people who are uh, living with very complex uh, social needs, things like uh, drug addiction, untreated mental health and poverty. We're working with our partners uh, to address a lot of these complex social needs. The mayor did not respond to our request for an interview on public safety, but said in January, I do feel safe walking around the streets of downtown Vancouver. Last September, Kennedy Stewart called police when he felt unsafe at a local wine store. A customer in the store uh, started to harass me directly, but then was actually quite aggressive with uh, my wife, Jeanette. The VPD responded to the 911 call for a verbal altercation, but after conducting interviews and reviewing video, concluded there was no basis for a criminal charge. There you go. You're welcome. The department says this pop-up safety initiative will continue. They're really loud. So I got one for myself, got one for my daughter, my son got one for his girlfriend. She's young, she's, you know, vulnerable walking around, so yeah. It's great. Now that I don't, now that I feel more comfortable walking here in Chinatown along with a more visible police presence in high-crime areas. Kristen Robinson, Global News.
It has been almost five years since a Victoria senior was murdered and his homicide remains unsolved. 72-year-old Richard Blair Young was seen on surveillance leaving his apartment for the last time on February 8, 2017. He was reported missing a week later. On March 2nd, his body was discovered near a rest stop on the Malahat. In 2019, Victoria police said more than $30,000 in fraudulent transactions were made with Young's credit cards and bank accounts after he disappeared and that persons of interest had been identified. No charges have been laid and the Vancouver Island Integrated Major Crime Unit wants to hear from anyone who knows anything about Young's disappearance in hopes it could be the missing piece of the puzzle that could solve the case. After the break, an unrepairable problem. It's more and more difficult to get parts to repair that bike. A petition aims to put an end to the sale of built-to-fail bikes. And later, how a life-saving lung delivery to a Canadian hospital is taking organ transplants to new heights. Well, everything these days seems to be disposable, purchased, used for a bit, then thrown into a landfill. This includes bigger ticket items like bikes. But as a Matagahi reports, some people are looking to change all that. Who says you need fancy tools or a manufacturer's book? We'll repair just about anything that is portable enough for you to bring it in and repair. When it just takes some patience, attention to detail and some handiwork. They've got a lot of that here in Port Coquitlam at what's called the Repair Cafe, where old family heirlooms are brought back to life. Some of these things are treasures for people and the look on their face when they're able to fix it is just the reward in itself. And we're also keeping lots of things out of the landfill. Volunteers spend hours on just about anything that is dropped off to them. The repairs are by donation. But someone brought in a washing machine that, that they were able to fix. Uh, we fixed treadmills. Uh, I built a wooden stand for someone who had a fan that was, you know, the, the stand was lost in transit while they were moving here. Because as the saying goes, they just don't make them like they used to. We like getting the older stuff because the older stuff is built better. <laughs> it's been common to see price hikes for just about everything bought new during the pandemic. But the quality of some items, according to the people who know a thing or two about repairs, has waned. Take bikes, for example. Paul Dragon says new, inexpensive bikes usually bought at big box stores are coming in for repairs that are not entirely possible because the parts are low quality. Mechanics call them built to fail. The manufacturers, in order to produce that bike at a price point, have to get the parts as inexpensively as possible. A reasonable quality of bike, we can keep that on the road for your lifetime. So if you've got an old chair, toaster, or bike, it may be worthwhile to show it some TLC instead of replacing it. Amadagahi, Global News. Some sections of Surrey Memorial Hospital near the emergency department were evacuated this afternoon after a possible improvised explosive was found. Police have cleared the scene after officers and the explosives disposal unit were sent in to examine the device. Surrey RCMP say the call came from a hospital security guard shortly after 12 p.m., saying a device had been discovered that resembled an improvised explosive. The item was being treated as a live explosive until it was proven otherwise. 
And still ahead, opinions on Aaron O'Toole's ousting. As the race to replace him gets underway, we have reaction from some B.C. Conservative MPs. Plus... We can now do five lung transplants in a day. Five patients. We used to do one a day. How this doctor is helping to make medical history using drone technology for transplants. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Leader Aaron O'Toole was removed from his party leadership earlier this week, and the race to replace him is well underway. Global's Darian Matassa-Fung has reaction from a number of B.C. Tory MPs on what's next for the party. You need to be a strong opposition. That's what Canadians chose for us in the last election. Local politician Dan Albus, MP of Central Okanagan, Similkami Nicola, is offering his thoughts on the leadership change for his party, the Conservative Party of Canada. I think it's important that Canadians know that, uh, you know, we uh, have had these these questions about leadership uh, internally. It has been settled. We have now rallied behind Candace Bergen, who's taken over as the uh, interim leader, and the National Council for the Conservative Party will be initiating the leadership process. A private vote by Conservative MPs ended Aaron O'Toole's leadership stint on Wednesday after being in power for only 18 months. The process to select a new leader has begun. The party's National Council will meet to start planning for the new leadership race. Two other locally elected MPs offered their thoughts on the leadership change as well. Tracy Gray said in a statement, I want to congratulate Candace Bergen on her election as interim leader of the Conservative Party of Canada. With the upcoming leadership election, Conservatives must remain united and provide a common-sense alternative to Liberal policies which have failed to get us out of this continued cycle of lockdowns, record inflation, and skyrocketing housing prices. North Okanagan Shushwap MP Mel Arnold also offered a statement. He said, I am confident in the Conservative membership, our caucus and party as we rebuild unity and restore focus on the issues facing Canadians such as mounting inflation, housing and healthcare shortages and national security. Currently, there is no timeline of when the next leadership vote will take place. Officials expect more news to be announced in the coming days. Darian Matassafung, Global News. There is an amazing innovation taking place in our skies, one that is actually saving lives. This week on The New Reality, Donna Friesen looks at drone technology being developed in Canada to help patients desperate for an organ transplant. One of the many things we take for granted in life is the ability to breathe. It's second nature, of course, until suddenly it's not. When an Ottawa man was told his lungs were so badly damaged his days were numbered, A lung transplant was his only hope. When the lungs are shot and they're not going to get better, the writing's on the wall. What Alain Hodak didn't know then was that he would become part of medical history and a cutting-edge advancement in transplant medicine, a world's first that took place in the skies over downtown Toronto. It's all thanks to a Montreal drone company and a Toronto surgeon, Dr. Shaf Kashavji, who is pushing forward a bold vision to transform how organ transplants are done. Sometimes the barrier to transplant is just logistics. can be as much as we can't get a plane, or there's a snowstorm, 
or there's, we don't have staff, or, or the operating rooms are busy. If we can now have a system where we don't have an operating room, we put the lung on EVLP, and when there's a room and a surgeon ready, we do a lung transplant. So we can now do five lung transplants in a day, five patients. We used to do one a day, right? So it's looking at logistics like that. So the next thing was the, the transportation of organs. Dr. Kashavji was the first to transport a donor lung by drone and is also developing ways to extend the life of organs outside the body, even tailoring them to the donor, all in a quest to save more lives. You can watch my report on this and how Canada is a leader in organ transplants and transport tonight on The New Reality at our new time, 8 p.m. on Global. Still ahead, missing the mark. I don't know what message they want to give if they want to block their own truckers and asking for freedom. The truckers speaking out about the toll of the Coots Alberta protest and the so-called freedom convoy. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. A parade kicks off the 10-day Vernon Winter Carnival back for a 62nd year. A close-up of the activities and events is coming up right after weather. Right now, though, let's bring in meteorologist Yvonne Shell for a look at the forecast for the rest of the weekend. What is in store for us, Yvonne? Dry conditions so far, Neetu, so it's been a dry start. We've had a few breaks out there, but we do have some fog that is going to pick up once again overnight and taking us in towards our Sunday morning. So a heads up, we've got some calm winds and the skies are clear for many area. And that's the ingredients that will see that fog setting up. We're currently sitting at 5 degrees out of the airport. We've got a southwesterly wind at 9 kilometers per hour. Through the overnight tonight, it'll be chilly though. We'll dip down to 2 degrees. We'll have that fog for the morning hours. It should dissipate towards the afternoon, anticipating a mix of sun and clouds, some breaks in there. Temperatures up to 7 degrees. Average for this time of the year sits at 8. And then we are going to see an increase in cloud cover and then overnight and leading in towards our Monday morning, we do have the potential and chance for some showers moving in across the region. Most of the central and southern of the province overnight and for tomorrow. We are going to see dry conditions. The bulk of the moisture and active weather is along the northern half of the province. The rain is going to pick up heavier at times, especially in towards tomorrow. We are going to see windy conditions along the north and central coast and with it the winds potentially 16 up to 80 kilometers per hour and the northeastern corners of the province have a wind warning for the piece where we could see gusts or sustained winds at 70 and then gusts of up to 90 kilometers per hour. Also to note for tomorrow morning, the northern and central regions of the island could see a bit of drizzle, light precipitation, and then most areas along the south coast will see that moisture moving in, and that's for Monday for back to work and school. Now, the northern half of the province, it is very wet and windy. That will be the big weather story continuing through the day. Highs along the coast will be closer to 7 degrees. Very windy for the northeastern corners of the province. Much of the central interior, it's pleasant. Mix of sun and cloud. Highs will be up to 7 degrees. Southern interior will see more cloud cover, some fog patches across the region, and then dissipating, a clearing towards Towards the afternoon. Highs for the Thompson Okanagan ranging anywhere between 4 and up to 5 degrees. Nice breaks towards the afternoon for Whistler 6 and potentially some double digits for areas near Merritt up to 11 degrees. The drizzle will be along the northern and central regions of the island. Most areas towards the south underneath a mix of sun and cloud. South coast, Metro Vancouver, we are going to see that fog for the morning hours dissipating dry conditions. Cloud cover rolls in for our Sunday night and then that chance of showers for both Monday, Tuesday rebounding quite quickly back into some breaks for our Wednesday. Stay once again. Nithu? All right. Thanks so much, Yvonne.
It was a busy day in the North Okanagan as the Vernon Winter Carnival Parade brought hundreds of people downtown to see the spectacle. Sydney Morton has more. It was all smiles at the Vernon Winter Carnival Parade as participants brought the streets to life with colorful floats, decorated cars, sirens and music. The parade took a pandemic pause, but 70 groups came out to foster community spirit. Everyone from the fire department to the Vernon Girls Trumpet Band marched the route. Its return celebrated by hundreds of people who lined the streets fun community event for the girls. They love to come out and see all of the characters. How interesting like our first year of life was with COVID and everything and like to see her actually able to get out and enjoy different things now. It's really cool. Yeah, Mackenzie! Isabel Clement joined the crowd to cheer on her friend. My friend's supposed to come down here on a horse, so. For the kids, there were a few clear favorites. Candy! Candy and seeing all the people. Yeah, and seeing all the people. It's really fun. Yeah. The horses. What was so cool about the horses? Uh, that, well, I just really liked horses and the people were riding them and one of the horses had stars on it. The dancers. Getting candy. How much candy did you get? A lot. The parade is the official kickoff event to the Vernon Winter Carnival, where 100 events take place over 10 days, both virtually and in person. For more information about what's in store, visit our website, globalnews.ca slash Okanagan. Sydney Morton, Global News, Vernon. All right, Barry's here for a preview of what is coming up in sports. Barry. Well, a little thing called the Olympics are going on <laughs> out there in uh, Beijing. Canada had a very good first day, a couple of medals. We'll show you uh, who won them. And the NHL All-Star game went today in Vegas. Thatcher Demko, representing the Canucks, made a couple of saves, but that three-on-three -three format not built for goalies. We'll uh, show you some highlights of that as well. All right, looking forward to it. Thanks, Barry. Also ahead, truckers speaking out about not being heard. Uh, I know majority of truckers, they are not supporting this protest. Why they say a majority in their industry don't support the cross-country convoy and the border blockade and the toll they're taking. We have a breaking news update on the B.C. Liberal leadership vote. For the very latest, we're going to Victoria where Richard Zussman is tracking the latest. So where are we at on the count now, Richard? Yeah, we are done three ballots now, Nithu, and Kevin Falcon is going to be the next leader of the B.C. Liberal Party. It's not official yet based on the scoring system, but it is almost impossible for anyone else to catch him. So it's going to be another 10 or 20 minutes until Falcon officially wins, but he is going to be the next leader of the B.C. Liberal Party, and that means he needs to win a seat. So you can see in the room there, B.C. Liberals are getting ready for this big announcement. We anticipate, Nithu, as early as tonight, Andrew Wilkinson will resign as the MLA for Vancouver Quilchenna. That could take some time. That would leave a seat open. Falcon is expected to run in that by-election. Premier John Horgan would have to call it within six months. And if Falcon wins that safe liberal seat, he'll end up here in the legislature taking his seat to square off against the Premier in debate leading up to that 2024 election. So not official yet, Nithu, but Kevin Falcon is very much on his way to become the next leader of the B.C. Liberal Party. All right. Thanks very much for that. Our Richard Zussman in Victoria tonight.
Well, as Freedom Convoy protests continue across the country, some say the protests missed the mark on key issues. Yasmin Gandam speaks to advocates for truckers in the South Asian community to find out how the demonstrations are impacting them. While protests continue across the country in support of the truckers in Ottawa, many in the industry feel their voices are not being heard. Uh, I know majority of truckers, they are not supporting this protest, um, like a majority of truckers. They're also, uh, they're working every day. Imagine if we all stop working and just go to the protest, who's responsible for this supply chain issue? Somebody has to work. We are a lot of truckers. They don't even have food. Some of them have like the medical issues. Some of them have like... In a video that has now gone viral on social media, Lovepreet Singh and other truckers begged for help after getting stuck behind the Coots border blockade earlier this week. After a two-day wait, he was forced to make a six-hour detour through BC, costing him almost $500 in gas. We don't feel safe to go via Coots border. And uh, it doesn't apply to me. There are a lot of other drivers who work in the supply chain industry. They don't feel safe to go via Coots border. And uh, I don't know what message they want to give if they want to block their own truckers and asking for freedom. Some say the protests miss the mark as there are many other issues affecting truckers. So this is kind of a very small thing that people unite on something. But the background thing is is how people are suffering. They are upset from other different issues. But moreover, those issues are not being represented by those folks. Kulpreet Singh is organizing an online fundraiser for mental health supports for marginalized truck drivers. Over 20% of the drivers across Canada and close to 50% of the drivers in BC are South Asian, but we don't see those demographics represented in the convoy. So we also don't see their concerns represented. There are uh, protests that have happened locally uh, for road safety. Uh, so those kind of concerns are uh worthy of being brought to the forefront as well. But for now, those who are able to work just keep trucking along. Yasmin Gandam, Global News. All right, Barry's back with a full sports cast after this break and later. Without Canada, there's no chance that I'm a skier. The Canadian connection for Jamaica's first alpine skier who only learned to ski six years ago. for CKNW Kids Fund Pink Shirt Day. This year, we're celebrating our diversity and embracing our cultures and identities in more open ways. Support programs that encourage healthy self-esteem and compassion by purchasing your pink shirt today at participating London Drugs locations or online. February 6th to 12th is Burn Awareness Week, and this year's theme is Burning Issues in the Kitchen. A leading cause of home fires is unattended cooking. The BC Professional Firefighters Burn Fund is reminding you to stay in the kitchen and be present when cooking. Our BC is brought to you by London Drugs. Get your 2022 Pink Shirt Day merchandise now at London Drugs. All right, Barry's back with a full sports cast and a bit of a breather for the Canucks for now. Mm-hmm. Well, they've uh, got a big second half coming up, Neithu. Thanks so much. The uh, Canucks are enjoying the All-Star break, but we'll get back to work Monday with practice and then a game Tuesday at Rogers versus Arizona. Meanwhile, Thatcher Demko represented the Canucks at the All-Star game in Las Vegas today, a well-deserved honor. 
But as a goalie at an all-star game, it's a lot of breakaways and two-on-one breaks against uh, during these games against the game's top players. So really, how much fun is that? Demko, the seventh Canuck goalie to play in an NHL all-star game. Demko played the second period. Pacific trailed the Metro Division 3-1. Demko makes a nice save here, staring down Zach Wierenski. The Pacific uh, rallied to tie this game. Jordan Eberle on the breakaway. First Seattle Kraken to ever score an NHL All-Star goal. Tied it at three, but late. It's Jack Hughes, the younger brother of Quinn Hughes. Scores for the Metros. They go on to win it 6-4. So Pacific and Thatcher Demko eliminated from the tournament. Second game between Central and the Atlantic Divisions. These are three-on-three games if you hadn't picked that up. Kale McCarr versus Austin Matthews. Tight game late, but Winnipeg's Kyle Connor puts it away for the Central. They win 8-5, so they advance on to the final. Central versus Metro for all the money. Rod Brindamore, Campbell River Zone, coaching the Metros. Flyers veteran Claude Giroux scores a pretty one past Yusei Saros of the Predators. Giroux scored two goals in the final game. Delta's Tristan Jari is having a great year for the Penguins. Allowed just one goal. Made some big saves in the late going. And it was the Metropolitan Division that wins it 5-3 in the final. Claude Giroux named All-Star Game MVP. At age 34, he could be attractive at the trade deadline, but he's played his entire 14 years in Philly. NHL schedule resumes Monday. Canada is off to a great start at the Beijing Winter Olympics. We won two medals on day one, a bronze and a silver, although it was an upset that mogul skier Mikhail Kingsbury took the silver. He was the overwhelming gold medal favorite in an event that he has really owned since 2012. Kingsbury has dominated his sport as much as any competitor in any sport worldwide for the past decade. 101 World Cup podiums, basically over 80% of the time he competes. Had a fantastic run in the super final. This put him in first place, but the last skier from Sweden knocked him off the top of the podium, but Kingsbury he wins silver, his third Olympic medal. He's won two silvers and one gold. Now, earlier, Canada won its first medal of the Games when Ottawa's Isabel Weidman won bronze in the women's 3,000-meter speed skating. Weidman was first with one pair to go, but ended up taking third. She is the first woman to win a long track medal at the Olympics since Christina Groves did it here in Vancouver in 2010. Canada's women's hockey team flexed its offensive muscles against the Finns after blasting a Switzerland 12-1 in their opener. Canada overwhelmed the films who have Finns who are a bronze medal hopeful. Sarah Nurse, what a ripper that was. She got the hat trick. Brianne Jenner also fired the hat trick for Canada. 11-1 the Canadians roll over Finland. They play Russia to tomorrow just after 8 p.m. our time. Medal standings after day one. Canada joins other countries with two in total at the top. Still looking for the first gold, but that will come soon enough. Day two competition uh, just getting underway in Beijing, which is 16 hours ahead of Pacific time. Our Olympic sliders are once again medal threats in men's and women's bobsleigh. Now, luge and skeleton medals a little tougher to come by. Both of those teams are full of young up-and-coming athletes. Almost half the team calls the Whistler Sliding Center home, and that includes teenagers Natalie Corliss and Trinity Ellis. Got our first Canadian, Natalie Corliss. She's 18 years old, and Natalie Corliss is about to make her Olympics debut. Corliss cracking the national team roster during the 2018-2019 season, where she finished first overall in the doubles and singles events at the Youth World Cup. I'm thrilled. Honestly, six months ago, 
I could not have pictured myself being here. Even just getting to compete on the World Cup circuit this year was incredibly exciting with the best athletes in the world. It's already been such an amazing season, and I know there's so much more to come. More to come from somebody whose young sliding career almost never got on track. Back when her family was still living in Calgary, Natalie and her brother wanted to give the sport a try to summer luge camp, but it was all full. Fortunately for Natalie, the organizers created another program, and let's just say her hard work has paid off big time as the little girl who was first sliding on tiny hills with her family is now competing on the world's top stage. When I first started sliding, I was the worst in the entire program, which just kind of shows what dedication and the hard work can really do for you. Trinity Ellis from Canada in the track. Trinity Ellis also calls the Whistler track home. The 19-year-old Pemberton native was first introduced to the sport during a grade six field trip. Shortly thereafter, her mom signed her up for the Sliding Center's luge program. For an active kid who first learned to ski about the same time she was learning to walk, it's pretty much been full speed ahead to get to this point. Our whole class did it, and most of the people were terrified of it, but I thought it was so much fun. <laughs> and yeah, ever since then, it's just been taking away at it, and here I am. <laughs> This next generation of Canadian sliders are products of the 2010 Winter Olympics. The Whistler Sliding Centre is the sporting womb that's given birth to Canada's sliding medal hopefuls. How many trips do you think you've taken down that Whistler track to get to where you are right now in the World Cup circuit? Oh, thousands. <laughs> yeah, I think especially last year uh, with COVID, we didn't travel or anything, so we just spent the whole winter just going down the Whistler track <laughs> over and over again. Um, honestly, I didn't even know luge was a thing when the Vancouver 2010 Olympics were around, but yet I still get the effects of them every day. They've given me the training facilities that I have in Whistler, and you know they're some of the highest class facilities um, in the world. For me, this Olympics is all gonna is gonna be all about experience. I really just want to put down my four clean, solid runs. An absolutely picture postcard day at Pebble Beach, third round of the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Bill Murray, part of the celebrities, disgusted the club toss. He's just entertaining us. Still one of the funniest guys in the world. He can play though. Look at that little backhanded no-look putt, knocks it down. Style points for Bill Murray, loved by the crowd. Canadian Mackenzie Hughes on the tough par 312 from 40 feet. Rolls it in for birdie. Hughes at 800, tied 21st, as is Abbotsford's Nick Taylor, who won this event in 2020. Adam Hadwin, 7 under. Adam Spenson had a tough day, 5 over 77. Drops all the way to 41st. He was tied second after yesterday. Jordan Spieth making a run. Second shot on the par 5 sixth. How is this? To three feet, he would make the eagle. Spieth at 14 under, just one back of the lead. The final round tomorrow at Pebble Beach. Life's a beach. Back to you, Nithu. Thanks very much, Barry. We'll be right back with how Jamaica's first and only Olympic alpine skier got his start in Canada.
The Olympics are of course underway and they're typically populated by athletes from countries with robust winter seasons. But Benjamin Alexander is the lone member of the Jamaican ski team and he spoke with Mike Arsenault about how he got his start in Canada not that long ago. Benjamin, I don't want to bury the lead here. What does it mean to you to be going to the Olympics as the only member of the Jamaican ski team? A huge sense of pride. Back in 1988, in your country, history was made where Jamaica joined the Winter Olympics for the first time ever and started a legacy of bobsledding. Um, and we've had a bobsled team at every single Olympics, apart from in 2010, also back in your country. I hope that this will be the first of uh, a legacy of alpine ski racers. You were raised in the UK, so what is your connection to the country of Jamaica? My father was born on the south coast of the island in Westmoreland, was moved across uh, right before his fifth birthday as part of the Windrush generation. There are many Jamaicans that had a very similar journey to my country. So I have Jamaican heritage. We have the Jamaican connection, the UK connection. There's also a Canadian connection in your story as the uh, first member of the Jamaican ski team. What is that connection that you have with our country that helped propel you to the spot you are now? Without Canada, there's no chance that I'm a skier. First of all, I had the first opportunity to see up close and personal my friends heli skiing in a heli ski lodge called Micah, in not too far from Revelstoke. And my first ever lesson out on the mountain was uh, at Whistler in 2016. So, so many parts of my story point back to Canada. And it was actually in Canada in 2019 where I spent a month again in Revelstoke that I decided to undertake this thing for, for real. Yeah, baby! You had your first skiing lesson in 2016, where, if, if my math is correct, is under six years ago at this point now. So how are you able to train in skiing to get yourself to a position where you were able to qualify for the Olympics? When I'm standing in the start gates there, it'll be five days short of my six-year anniversary of that first lesson. I've skied 450 days in the last two years. The only reason that number is not close to 700 is because of the pandemic. Where can people find out more about your journey other than tuning in to the Alpine skiing events coming up shortly? Yeah, super simple. If they head across to Benji.ski, that brings up my website and it's also my Instagram handle. All right. Very interesting background there. You know what else is interesting? What's happening in B.C. politics? You can tune into B.C. One tonight starting at 8 o'clock for a live special on the Liberal Leadership Vote hosted by our Richard Zussman and Krista Dow will be here at 11. Thanks so much for joining us all. Have a great night.